All right, let's go ahead and get started. How about stand with me tonight? Everybody doing okay? Us four and no more. <laughs> Thank you for being with us online tonight. We're glad that you're with us. We're going to open up in prayer. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. If you're online, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you as well. Let's pray for all the ministries that are taking place tonight uh, all across the campus and uh, in our Bible study tonight. And uh, Hey, we, we got some rain. So we pray, some of us did, some did, I've heard some that did not, but we did, uh, it rains on the just and, and the unjust, so <laughs> wherever we fall, we got some rain, but let's pray for more, and we continue praying for revival. Father, tonight we are grateful, uh, Lord, we thank you that, uh, Lord, that you're available to us, and I just pray tonight as we open up in prayer, we, uh, we do so with a, with a glad heart, Lord, because you've been so good to us, uh, Lord, even... Uh, regardless of the present circumstances that we might find ourselves in, Lord, I thank you that you are, again, that ever-present help in our time of trouble. And I just ask tonight, Father, that uh, wherever there is need, I pray for those in the building, those who are online tonight, God, I just pray that you would just reach down and that you would uh, assure us that you are in control and that you've got everything for our good. Uh, Lord, we pray for those uh, ministries that are happening all across the uh, the campus tonight, that you would be exalted and lifted high in all things. And we, uh, Lord, we pray, and we first of all thank you for the measure of rain that we had uh, the other night, but we pray for more. We need more rain, and Lord, we need it not just in the natural, we need it in the spiritual realm. Uh, Lord, that you would saturate our spirits, that you would saturate the body. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, again be with us in our time of study, open our hearts, let us hear. What the Spirit says to us, we commit this time and service to you right now. Thank you for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen, amen. God bless you. Uh, Maybe seated tonight. Uh, go ahead and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're only going to have a couple more weeks in this series, maybe two more, um, maybe even wind up next week. I'm not really sure, but uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of bring this in for a landing. We've been going through 1 John uh, verse by verse or section by section. A couple of announcements. Uh, let me do remind you, don't forget Sunday is our kicking it old school. And uh, we, in both services, we will kind of take a trip down memory lane and we'll be singing some of the great hymns and choruses of the church. And as I've talked about the last couple of weeks, we are going to have a couple tables set up for antiques. So if you have some items that this generation would have no clue what, what it would be, bring that, and, and we're going to have a good time with that. I'm, I'm excited. In fact, uh, I, you know, I finished up the series on questions Jesus asked last Sunday, and I thought, well, this week, if we're going to kick it old school, I'm going to preach about being old. So, uh, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be preaching on uh, not really aging, but, but we'll be looking at some of the wisdom of Solomon about how, you know, how to grow old. You know, some people do it well, and I'm not doing so well. <laughs> Some people not so much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we have that going on. And then also uh, Walk for Life. Uh, we'll have a table out there this, this Sunday. And uh, we're looking to put a team together to go do the Walk for Life for the Cleburne Pregnancy Center. And uh, again, just some, some neat things. I will be sending out an email to the, to the church uh, Regarding, I mentioned it last week, I forgot to mention it Sunday, but on our missions convention on September the 24th, we are going to do uh, a special offering for the Fire Bible, uh, the Silk Road Project. And uh, 
the one of my guests that day, I've got a couple missionaries that are coming in. We haven't had a missionary in a while, and I think it's important that we see who it is we're supporting and hear from them. But one of the guys that's coming in happens to be the the president of Life Publishers, which is the ones who produce the Fire Bibles. And uh, he was a missionary in Asia and just an incredible, incredible man. And so anyway, that's coming up. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Let's get, again, right into our teaching tonight. And um, tonight's teaching is entitled, Be on Guard. Be on Guard. And so we're going to begin verse number one. We'll read the first six verses. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Well, that's good. (laughs) Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know that the spirit of, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have already heard, have heard was coming, and now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us, he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. So let's jump right in. Uh, let, me, let me just ask you this, how many of you have noticed that over the last several years there's been an uptick in what we call scams. Anybody, anybody notice that? In, well, let me ask this. Has anybody been scammed before? Okay, so a couple of people have. Yeah, so, so uh, I, I think that where we are in our culture, I, I had, a, had an email come, by, come through my, my email box not long ago, and it was, uh, it was a very official-looking email from a, from a national company that was telling me that I had a... Uh, an open invoice or something like that. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, no, I don't. I, you know, I pay my bills. I, there, there's no way. So I decided to jump off that into my account. And sure enough, I, there was nothing there. And uh, I, I, told, I told one of the guys, I said, you know, I wish they would spend as much time on a job as they do working to scam people. I mean, to me, it seems like they would do well, you know, as much energy as they're putting into scamming people. But uh, you know, it seems that scams are everywhere. I mean, you've got people today that are pretending to be something they're not in order to get a financial advantage of other people. Uh, and it really is sickening because particularly you've got an elder population that are not familiar a lot of times with, with technology and things like that, and it's very easy to take advantage of them, and we hear it all the time. Uh, you know, if you're online, I mean, there are constant threats. You know, back years ago, uh, it started as hacking, you know, they, they talked about hacking and then it became cloning. So if you're on social media, they talk about cloning. Um, and then there are the fake emails again, supposedly sent by various companies. Um, in fact, there's been a new term that's been added to the, to the English language, uh, called phishing. Now this is not the rod and reel kind of phishing that I like. This is another kind of phishing. This is a uh, this is the type where they try to trick people into revealing personal information. Uh, you know, you need to be really, really careful online, the questions that you answer. If you, 
you know, particularly on social media platforms, you know, there's a lot of surveys and there's a lot of quizzes. Uh, just be very careful with your personal information because there are people that are fishing. And just like I do as an angler, I go out there and I use whatever kind of bait I can to catch a fish. I'm trying to trick that fish into believing that that thing at the end of that line is real. And that's exactly what scammers do. They try to convince people that they are real and what they offer is legitimate. So be very careful about that. You know, scammers, this is not about scammers, okay? But scammers have become very sophisticated. You know, I mean, a long time ago, several years ago, I'm sure most people received that letter from Nigeria. Anybody remember the letter from Nigeria that went around? It was a letter that came out supposedly from the government, said that uh, they had multi-million dollars that were being reserved for you, and all they needed you to do is go down to the bank and wire some money to cover fees for them to transfer that multi-millions of dollars. Guess what? It ain't true. But you know what? They wouldn't be doing it if somebody didn't believe it. Right? They, w- they wouldn't be doing it if, they did- if somebody didn't believe it. So, uh, again, we saw that. Those types of scams are really easy to spot if you think about it. You know, what's the old adage? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That is real and that is true. That should be a guide. You know? So, anyway, that's- we're not here for that. You know, we're talking about scammers. But here's another thing. There are other, uh, you know, there are- scammers know how to make things look legit. And, and while the phony phishing schemes on the Internet are dangerous, hear me, there are insidious spiritual schemes or scams that are taking place all the time to our peril. You've heard me say this for years and years. Be very careful about who you let speak into your life. And nowadays, especially because there are a lot of scammers in the religious world that will take advantage of you, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've noticed a lot here recently is how many of these supposed prophets and prophetesses are talking about, uh, you know, your windfalls coming. And, you know, and, and, and isn't it amazing that everything that they say is positive, that you, you, you got a boatload of money coming in, and if you'll just sow into the ministry, this is going to happen. Listen, that is a red flag because that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, you know, and, and, and so... Here's a story. Let me just read this story of a lady who was spiritually scammed, and she wrote out her testimony. And I'll read part of it now, and then I'll close out the the teaching with the the rest of the story, as uh, Paul Harvey used to say. Here's her words, and I quote. She said, "Around around age 10, I realized that I was a sinner who needed a Savior. And I became a spirit-born child of God, trusting in Jesus. Through most of my life, I continued to study the Bible and attend various churches while growing in my knowledge and understanding of God's holiness and grace. However, 10 years ago, I was unknowingly in a spiritual, spiritually weak state when I joined a Bible study at the home of a trusted friend and fellow believer. There, I was introduced to a group of people who seemed more loving and dedicated to the Lord than the other Christians I knew. I foolishly believed I could not be deceived because all of this group's teachings were clearly based on God's Word, which I already trusted, and my friend and I thought we were reading the Bible in context. In addition, I was reassured when the group's leader claimed that Jesus is deity. I I believe she meant what is understood by other believers. However, 
It was not long before I found out that I'd been, I'd been stripped of all previous assurances of my faith. And I was then being manipulated by the use of fearful and guilty, uh, by fear and guilt, and transformed into someone different than what I was. She goes on. She said, although we were encouraged to ask questions in this group, we were often accused of resisting the authority that God had placed over us. And I quit asking questions. The group's leader allowed herself to be promoted as God's only prophetess for the day's remnant of true believers, and she claimed that any questioning of her teachings was persecution from those who just did not want to do God's will. She also claimed that her teachings were confirmed by the obvious fruits and many mystical signs which we were experiencing. Eventually, this very authoritative group dictated which translation of the Bible we could trust, which authors and speakers we could trust, which people we could trust. In this way, the group controlled what information we were exposed to and kept us busy doing God's will as determined by the leader. And thus, the group controlled our thinking as well as our behavior. This group's leader taught that those outside of her group as well as those within her group who disagree with her and then left, would all suffer God's wrath. Although my family and relationships with others became strained and even my marriage was threatened, I became thoroughly convinced that I would suffer God's wrath for eternity if I left the group. Did you see that? After several months, I finally, finally realized this group's leader was misrepresenting the Jesus I knew and trusted. So with the help of God's courage, I quietly began to question her other teachings. From my own research of information available on the inter- and available on the Internet, I soon realized I was involved with a cult group led by a false prophet who promoted her false teachings by deceptively misrepresenting God's word out of context and by confusing the definition of familiar Christian terms. Although I had known a lot of information about cults, I had not known how they work in recruiting and keeping their members. Now, we'll, we'll jump back to finish her story. But that is the reality of someone who got caught up in a, in a cult, not, not even aware. She was, uh, again, her own testimony is from an early age. I was born again. I went to Bible study, went to church. I was plugged in. And yet she was so easily duped into being a part of this. Um, I, I was doing a little bit of research today, and one religious researcher estimates that right now that there are 4,300 religions and cults in our world today. 4,300 religions and cults in the world today. Many, uh, and I understand when I use the word cult that today's culture, that's an offensive term. You know, many scholars today, uh, they want to shy away from the term cult. They want to use instead a religious movement. And many today would shy away from those terms because they are not, they're not politically correct. They're not PC. But I would submit to you that I think we should be more B.C. or biblically correct and call it what it is, right? You know, there are cults in the world today. And, 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 and again, you take that on, there, are, there is truth and there is falsehood. There is right and there is wrong. And, you know, there's no, uh, you know, James, I read that, I believe, on Sunday, that, that there is no variableness nor shadow of turning with him. You know, there, God's the same. And his word is not updated, okay? It doesn't have to evolve to the culture in which we live. It, it is eternal, his word. What does the psalmist say? Forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven. Established means it's not going anywhere. 
Aren't you glad that the Bible helps us figure out how to spot falsehood? Again, there's a lot of pretty packages out there in the name of religion, but yet the Bible gives us the litmus test of how to spot error. You know, the spiritual scam taking place in the early church. And again, John was writing to a group of people. Uh, Remember, he's writing two things. Number one, he's writing to early believers. This is the third generation of the church at the time of John's writing, okay? So uh, he's writing to them, number one, to, to encourage them that what they believe is legitimate, that their faith is not in myths, it's not in uh, fables, that it, you know, again, John says, I was an eyewitness to these things. So John's saying, look, the testimony that I'm giving to you, it's reliable. Eyewitness testimony is a very powerful thing. But then the second part of it, he's writing because he now wants to combat error that had crept into the church. And the error that was taking place or the scam was known as Gnosticism. Okay, now what is that? Well, the word Gnostic means knowledge. And and, in fact, the root of the word is still used today, agnostic. That means without knowledge. Then you have another word, uh, prognosis, which is before knowledge. And then you have the word diagnosis, which is with knowledge. So, so what the Gnostics, again, they, what the Gnostics were doing was talking about how, how advanced mentally or intellectually they had become. And so Gnostics, would, they believed in secret levels of spirituality, that you could attain, there were secret levels of spirituality. They doubted the deity of Jesus Christ, and they, they fully challenged the humanity of Christ. So, so John is writing in chapter 4 to combat that, and his words are, are relevant for us today because there are people that, I've, I've always said Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key. You know, a lot of people don't have a problem with God. They have an issue with Jesus. And so Jesus remains the key to everything. that it, it, He unlocks the heavens for each and every one of us. So tonight, I want us to look for the next little bit how John warned believers, he actually warns them not to believe everything they hear. How many think that's a good thing? Don't believe everything you hear. It's like my old saying, if, the, if Hollywood's for it and uh, politicians are for it and the media's for it, you probably ought to be against it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just kind of a dose of reality right there. So, so in, in tonight, so how do we discern uh, God's truth in a deceptive world? What are some of the things that we look for that would be uh, what they call those red flags that would help us say, hey, wait a minute, pay attention to this. Well, number one, the first thing I would say is uh, we need to develop a healthy spiritual skepticism, okay? Uh, Chapter 3 closes out as John mentions the Holy Spirit that God has given to each believer, and then right away in chapter 4, he reminds us that, okay, so you, you, we, I've talked about the Holy Spirit that's been given by the Father to each of us who believe, but there are other spirits around. So John comes right out and acknowledges. Again, there are people today that want to discount the spiritual realm, but listen to me. There are, there are angels and there are demons. There are, there are spirits of God and there's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's a real thing. And so in verse 1, John basically says, look, it's, it's wisdom if you practice spiritual skepticism. Notice what he said. Dear friends, our little children, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, the, the, the command to test the spirits in, it, grammatically is in the present tense. 
It's in the present tense. What that means is it means stop believing every spirit. Just because somebody can quote a scripture, just because somebody can sing a religious song, does not make them worthy of speaking into your life. It, 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 again, it's a very confusing time today. I've, I know people personally that I watch grow up in the church who, who have gone off into various things, and, and I watch some of the things they post, and I'm thinking, how in the world did you get there? You know, I mean, nowhere in Scripture, uh, you know, a big thing today for a lot of people is they want to they name their spirit guides. Well, show me in Scripture where you have a spirit guide that you can know. I do believe the angel of the Lord encamps about the righteous. I don't have any problem with, with angels that are with us. I don't have, I, not an issue at all. I do have a problem with trying to figure out who they are. You know, there was a big movement 20 years ago where they would say, when you go into a town, you need to pray and discern what the spirit is over that area. And you need to pray against the spirit of the, you know, the atmosphere. Well, again, where in the scriptures do we hear them teaching about moving to a community and start praying and seeking the name of the demonic strongholds. I don't see that in Scripture. And yet, again, it sounds good today in this mystic-filled world and, and, you know, with twilight and and all these other things that are out there. It sounds kind of cool. But that's not, again, the subtlety of it. I do believe that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. But there's there's only three named angels in all of the word of God. You had Lucifer who became the devil. He's a a fallen angel. He was an archangel. Then you had Gabriel, and then you had Michael. That's the only ones. You know, Legion spoke, right? Legion, we are Legion, simply meaning there's many of us, but there's no name. Again, we have to be careful. John said, test the spirits. Test them. Stop believing everything that 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 we hear. Uh, which, again, indicates that we, we are some gullible people. You know, I've always said this. You know, I'm proud of my Pentecostal heritage, but part of the issue with the Pentecostal heritage is that we do believe in the supernatural, and so, consequently, we can be very gullible to fall for things that we shouldn't fall for. You know, I mean, I, can, I grew up in this thing. I grew up in the, in the, in the 60, late 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, you know, I, I mean, just about everything under the sun you can think of. The bags that they would, I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of gross. But they had, I mean, I mean, just weird stuff. Test the spirits. You know, it's important to have a healthy skepticism when it comes to spiritual claims. Proverbs 14, 15 says, a simple man believes anything. But a a prudent man gives thought to his steps. A simple man believes anything. But a prudent man, a wise man, gives thought to his steps. False teachers, listen, here's the thing. False teachers don't walk around uh, with a name tag that says, hi, I'm a false teacher. (laughs) I mean, that'd be kind of cool. You know, it'd be kind of easy. They don't do that. You know, our our culture today teaches us to believe what feels good or what sounds the best. But as a church, as Christians, we have to practice discrimination. The word test literally means to examine. Examine what you're, what you're hearing. Um, you know, we, how many has ever heard of fool's gold? Right? I mean, so, so think about it. One gem, gemologist, here's what he said. He said, it's not unusual for a beginner, a, begin, a beginner miner, to wonder about the difference between gold and the other materials found in the stream bed because shiny rocks or iron pyrite, fool's gold, 
is often mistaken as the real thing. In fact, this gemologist says there was a story of a shipload of pirate, pyrite that went back to England in the 1500s because they'd mistaken that stuff for gold. Boy, didn't they have a surprise when they got back over there. <laughs> was it Shakespeare who said, all that glitters is not gold? There's a little truth to that. Actually, a lot of truth to that. See, what I'm saying is there's a lot of stuff today in the spirit realm that glitters in the name of spirituality. Almost everything connected with God and truth has counterparts uh, in various forms of evil. I mean, you think about the Trinity. The Trinity is copied by the devil in the fact that you have the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Then you have the wheat that's counterfeited by the tares. Then you have uh, angels or contrasted with demons. And then you have Moses' miracles that were imitated by uh, the Egyptian magicians. And, and then how about in the book of Acts? You know, you had Philip's miraculous signs trying to be copied by Simon the sorcerer. You know, there's always a counterfeit, and it's not changed. You know, the Bible talks about deception a lot. In fact, the Bible even says in the last days, there would be the spirit of deception. God would give people over to a strong delusion, and they would believe a lie. You know, here's an interesting tidbit I found. Every single New Testament writer warns against false teachers and false prophets. I did not know that. Every single writer in the New Testament warns about false teachers and false prophets. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will do what? Deceive many. So we have to learn to be discerning and not be gullible. Not everything we read, see, or hear is from God. And, and again, sometimes the reasons that we test the spirits are not, are, it's not always obvious. And, and 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen reminds us that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Did you get that? Even the devil masquerades as an agent of the light when he's full of darkness. So we have to stop. Try, I'm not saying be totally, a little bit of skepticism is healthy. Don't swallow every hook, line, and sinker of somebody that can just quote a few scriptures or even a bunch of scriptures. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. I watched a, years ago, I was, when we first moved to Dallas, I was uh, asked, and, I, and I'm not going to call the ministry name, but I was, uh, I was looking for employment. My wife was working at that time for FDIC. And there was a national ministry that was located up in the Metroplex, and uh, I was looking for ministry work, and so I had applied to be their uh, director of their prayer movement ministry, whatever they called it. I don't remember. And so I uh, was interviewed, and they were putting together a package to offer me the job. And I really had never, to my, to my shame, I had never really investigated this particular ministry. At that time, I was attending Calvary Temple, which was uh, J. Don George's church there in Irving, and so I went to Brother George, and I said, um, I said hey, I, 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 found, I found a job. I'm going to be working. And I told, called the, the ministry, and he looked at me, and he said, well, Mike, have you ever watched that ministry or listened to it? And I said, well, no, sir. And he said, I think you probably ought to watch it a little bit before you agree to go work for him. And so I did. I mean, it was a, I, think it, I think he had a daily, daily broadcast. And so I go home. And I'm watching this, and I'm sitting there, and my mouth hits the floor as this man starts speaking. 
And I thought, there's no way on this green earth that I could go work for a ministry like that. It really bothered me. Again, packaged right. Had a big ministry, in the met- again, in the Metroplex, a big church, lots and lots of people, thousands of people. And yet the message was so far off base, it wasn't even funny. And it bothered me. You know, Acts 17, 11 speaks of the Bereans and how diligent they were in searching for truth. In fact, here's what it says. It says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. (laughs) Isn't that good? They searched out. Paul got up and preached. They went home and checked him, which I think is a wonderful thing to do. You know, the phrase where it says gone out means to escape. Listen, uh, I, I love this paraphrase that I came across. It said, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so, the, so the first thing, if we're going to learn how to spot error, the first red flag is we need to have a little bit of skepticism about us. The second thing is we also need to examine what do they say about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Again, when we try to discern truth from error, Jesus, again, is the key. He's the key. If a group, here, here's, here's my litmus, if a group doesn't get their teachings right about Jesus, they'll be wrong about everything else. That's it. Verse 20, verses 2 and 3 Here's what John said. He said, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. But Let me back up. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. What he's saying is you get Jesus wrong, you're wrong. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. The word acknowledge means to confess. It means to confess, which has to do with, uh, with a commitment that leads to that genuine confession. It literally means to say the same word. Say the same word. So in context of this, it, it literally means, what does the Father say about the Son? We say the same thing. It's about Jesus. He is the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of mankind. The, the phrase has come is an abiding reality. He's come in the flesh, which means he was not a phantom, okay? John 1.14, John writes earlier in his gospel, he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, it's telling us who Jesus is. You know, to not confess that Jesus came in the flesh is to deny that which has been declared to be true. Second John, we won't get into it, but later on, John writes, you know, later on, John writes again in Second John, he says, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. And any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. That's pretty powerful. I mean, that's not holding anything back. They're saying, look, if you get it wrong on Jesus, you're not even worth listening to. I remember when I was stationed in Germany years ago, we, uh, we were part, I actually pastored what they called a, a, uh, 
a Berean Missionary Fellowship Church, which was a denominational service. It was an AG. Uh, we met in a chapel at Simbach Air Base in uh, Kaiserslautern, Germany. In our town where we lived, there was a Church of God equivalent to that called the Christian Servicemen Center. And a dear friend of mine who's preached for me several times um, was pastor there, and he was invited to come to do this. They were doing a community day of faith, something similar to that. And they were having this big deal, and they were inviting all the pastors of the local community. And so they invited this, this man uh, to come and be a part of that. And he asked them the question. He, he asked, well, will this particular group be there? And they said, well, yeah, we're trying to make it kind of an ecumenical thing. He said, then I'm not coming. And they're like, well, what do you mean you're not coming? He said, well, their Jesus is not my Jesus. And he said, they don't worship the same God that I worship, so why would I want to come and fellowship with a group that denies my Jesus? And, you know, and it kind of made them mad because in their mind, they're just trying to get an ecumenical group together. But he's like, look, if you're wrong on Jesus, what fellowship does light have with darkness? How, how can you have fellowship with a group that doesn't believe that Jesus has come in the flesh and is the Son of God? Again, I mean, that's the key right there. If you're going to, everything that's said, if they get it wrong on Jesus, just dismiss them without hesitation because they're not worth the sound that goes into your ears. <laughs> As a matter of fact, stick the fingers in your ears, go la, 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 la. <laughs> Charles, Spurgeon, <laughs> Charles Spurgeon one time said, Christ is the sum and substance of theology. What is, it, what is he saying? He's the center of everything. He's the center of everything. Uh, so, again, Jesus, the name Jesus Christ covers both his humanity and his deity. That's who he is. You know, the Mormons talk about Jesus, but to them, he's the half-brother of Lucifer and a created being. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was Michael, the archangel, who became a man, and after the resurrection, Jesus was just a spirit, not really a real physical person. You know, Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet but not God. Christian scientists teach that Jesus was a man who had uh, a, a man that was in tune with his divine consciousness. The Baha'i faith believes that Jesus is only one of nine great world manifestations and, and that, that he is not the unique path to salvation. Unitarians believe that Jesus was a good man who was mistakenly deified lifted up by his followers. If they get it wrong on Jesus, they're wrong. I mean, any system that denigrates the deity of Christ and dishonors his humanity is not of God, and we should not listen to it. You know, obviously, with us being a well-established church, been around a long time, we get, we get all kinds of mail. And every religious organization around sends mail. They're soliciting whatever. And there's some, I just look at the publisher and dump it right in file 13. Because their Jesus is not my Jesus. You know, when you get it wrong on him, you're wrong. And you, you know, you know I'm not going to waste my time on, on that. John calls this the spirit of the Antichrist. Here's what he says. Here's what Peter said about all of that in 2 Peter chapter 2. He said, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly, this is what he said, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, 
bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the truth, the way of truth into disrepute. In other words, he said, there are going to be a lot of people that will go out. And, and, and again, we see it in our culture today. I mean, who would have imagined the, that Christians today, and I know there's some boneheaded Christians that in the name of Jesus do some really stupid things. You know, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does it teach us to treat people disrespectfully, especially those we disagree with. It doesn't teach us. It doesn't give us that license to do that. But you know what? He says that, again, the Bible says there will be people that will come around and they will introduce doctrines and they will talk. So you look at our culture today. You know, at one time, Christians were re- regarded as, in high, you know, as high, highly respected people. Now we're terrorists. I mean, you know, we're not burning buildings down. We're marching for life, and yet we're terrorists. We're not, we're not beating the LGBT community. We're not, we're not riding on them and beating them up and hurting them, but yet we're terrorists. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, you know, that, that's what's going to happen. We, when you start talking, you know, I hear, I hear some of these politicians that bump their gums all the time that talk about how deep their faith is, and yet they believe something that's totally opposite. I've heard Oprah Winfrey with my own ears ask the question to the audience member or or say this thing to the audience member, Jesus Christ can't possibly be the only way. Heard it with my own ears. And yet she's celebrated as a multi-billionaire and, you know, I I played golf one time up in Oregon and and it happened to be she had a a big mansion off the side of that golf course up out of Coeur d'Alene. And yet... Jesus isn't the only way. Again, when they get it wrong about Jesus, they're not worth listening to. Another red flag that we have to pay attention to is what do they say about salvation? Salvation. You know, what people believe about salvation reveals a great deal about themselves. In verses 4 and 5, it says that when we were saved, we become God's children and the Holy Spirit lives in us, okay? So, so the work of salvation is not anything we do. We accept what's already been done. The Bible says it's the gift of God, which is eternal life. Okay, verses 4 and 5, John says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. I love the word from God, the, the phrase from God. It's not an arrogant claim. You know, there are people today that look at a, a committed believer and they say that we're arrogant, you know, that we, you know, that we feel like we're better than other people. That's not it at all. It's not, not, not it at all. I mean, from God is not an arrogant claim of our superiority. It's just simply stating the fact that the new birth, at the new birth, we've been adopted into his family and we're now connected to him. I'm, I'm, I'm a king's kid. With all of my flaws and all of my inadequacies, I'm a born-again child of the living God. And there's not anything they can do to change that. Not, not anything. You know, and he goes on, he said, God is greater and his truth will always win in the day. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. I love this. I always love Romans 8, but he said, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, Satan is defeated, even though he doesn't act like it. I came across this story. I've used it before. It's been some time ago, but it's about this proud lion. And uh, he's walking through the jungle, 
and he came upon a little rabbit, and he demanded to know uh, who was the king of the jungle. <laughs> I think of the kid song. Ooh, 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 no. <laughs> who, <laughs> who is the king of the jungle? And uh, the rabbit says, uh, well, you are, mighty lion. You are the king. The lion kind of strutted a little bit more, came up on a monkey, and he roared out the same question, who is the king of the jungle? And the, the, uh, the little monkey answered the same thing. Wow, you are mighty lion. You are the king of the jungle. Made him a little more cocky. This time he comes upon a, a, a big old bull elephant, happened to be 16 feet tall, and had these six-foot tusks. And he asked that lion, uh, that, that el- the elephant, he said, now, who is the king of the jungle? The elephant grabbed the lion by his trunk, lifting him up over his head, threw him about 20 feet until he crashed into a tree. Coming to himself, he looks up at the elephant and he says, well, just because you know the answer, you don't have to get uptight about it. <laughs> you know, the, de- the devil has convinced many people that he is stronger than he actually is. He does. That, again, that's part of the deception. And, he, and, and the way he beats Christians, he berates Christians, Christians, is that he constantly tries to attack us at the point of our salvation. Because the Bible says we sin and come short of the glory of God. In this world, we still sin. Again, John, John's already d- dealt with that. If I say I have no sin, what does he say? I'm a liar and the truth's not in me. So what the devil does is when I sin, you know, I have an advocate with the Father. First John 1 John 1.9, if I, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But what the devil does is when I sin, he comes and he says, <laughs> you're not a Christian. How, how could you call yourself a Christian if you did that? You know, the idea is not to continue in sin, but if I do, I have an advocate. But yet he uses that as a battering ram today. And, and, and so he wants to convince us that he's, he's batter. You know, I, I used to tell my kids when they were growing up, I said, look, the devil's like the, the big bad wolf in the three little pigs. I said, you know, you got to understand that at some point, when you stand built on the foundation of Christ, he can huff and he can puff, but he's not going to blow your house down. He can't. He can't. See, if, we, if you are born again, then you are from God, and Almighty God abides in you. The word overcome literally means to vanquish or to subdue or conquer. Greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. We overcome because God is greater. Nothing to do with me <laughs> has everything to do with him. The fourth thing, and I'll bring this to a close tonight. So, so we talked about being skeptic. We talked about, again, having a healthy view of who Jesus is and what salvation is all about. Then, then we come to the last one, but certainly not the least, is what, what is their view of Scripture? Again, that, that's an important thing. You know, if they don't see God's Word as authoritative, you know, I, I hear people today, you know, I listen sometimes way too many uh, snippets of people that debate the Bible, and they'll say things like, well, it was just, it's just from man. Man did it. Or they'll say something like, well, do you know how many mistakes there are in the Bible? Yeah, none. You know, again, that, that right there reveals the ignorance of the translating process. But that's, that's easier to say that. It's easier to say, well, you know, the Bible in its original form was good, but we've got, you know how many times it's been translated since then? Well, no, I really don't, but 
I have a fully reliable Bible in my hand right here. I mean, I, I do. I, I, you know, I mean, but what is their view? Again, the red flag is if, they, if they're wrong on Jesus, they're wrong about salvation, they're, they're, they're wrong about Scripture. Those are things, those are red flags that we ought to see them. Uh, we, did a, we did a sermon years ago. I did an illustrated sermon called Stops, Roadblocks, and Dead Ends. It's been a long time ago, probably in the 90s. And I had all kinds of highway signs up here. And some of the signs that we see on the highway, you know, we, we see signs that say one way. You know, and, and we talk about, you know, I always talked about how on, the, on our journey of, of life, and, and you see that in the natural, if you're driving down a highway, there are signs that are posted that are to help you to get to your destination. Okay, so, so like, I, how many have ever seen anybody from out of town come into Cleburne and go the wrong way on a one-way street? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it happens everywhere. But those signs are directional signs. They, you know, bridge out. Well, if you see a sign that says bridge out, stop. Right? I mean, it's probably good sense to stop. Well, likewise, the scriptures are like signs that help us navigate this journey of faith that we're on. And, and they're there for a reason. And, and there are people today that don't believe the Bible is inerrant, which means without error. They don't believe it's authoritative, which means it is the rule by which we measure what is right and wrong. Listen, right and wrong is not determined by licking your fingers, sticking up in the air, and seeing which way the wind blows. Right and wrong is not based on what the polls tell us or what the Democrats say it is or what the Republicans say it is. This is the measure of what is right and what is wrong. And so in verse 6, John writes, he said, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So, so what is he doing there? John's saying, look, when he says us and we, he's referring to all of the apostles that he represents. All who are truly born again will accept the teachings as presented in God's word. They value that. There are people today that say that there are other books. You know, I've, I've had a, someone, not, I guess it's been a few years ago, that left because I wouldn't get into a questionable book, questionable, I can't even say it, a suspect book <laughs> that supposedly was left out of the Bible. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in the canonized Bible that I have right here. These 66 books have been a good roadmap and a guide for my life. And yet there are people that, that believe that kind of stuff. You know, those who, who know God listen to God's Word. And in order to recognize truth from falsehood, we have to have the Scriptures in high regard, and we have to submit to them. See, false teachers don't have a high view of Scripture. You know, they say it's the Bible plus you know, and we can name a few right off the top of our head that they have an additional revelation. And isn't that the way they do it? I got a new revelation. You know what? A new revelation is just an old lie. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, false teachers, again, don't have a high view of the Bible. Uh, they're either, either adding additional books or they're ignoring the clear teachings of Scripture. You know, it's one thing 
to appreciate the Bible. It's altogether a different story to submit to its authority. As a believer called by God and from God, then it has authority over my life. It tells me what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not. And I know that's offensive in our world today because we don't want to be, don't you tell me what to do. Well, since when does, a, when does dirt get to talk to the one who created it and tell, us, tell him what we ain't going to do? I mean, talk about just being a wackadoodle. <laughs> that's what my daughter used to say, wackadoodle. I don't know what that means, but I guess it's crazy. You know, we should, I, again, as I close tonight, we should have a, our spiritual radar going at all times. Our spiritual radar needs to be going at all times. The Bible, you know, it gets, it gets misquoted. It gets ignored, demeaned. Uh, sometimes people just want to come out and say it's simply not true. Uh, well, in fact, <laughs> some years back, one of the press secretaries for one of the presidents, here's what he said. He said, well, I believe the phrase from the Bible is, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Uh, guess what? The Bible didn't say that. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible is quoted and misquoted over and over again just to, just to promote themselves. i got to close, but here's, here's the life application Bible gives five traits of false teachers. Number one, they claim to have new truth from special prophets or special revelation. Number two, they twist Christian doctrines to validate what they're doing, their behavior. And they'll say something like, don't you dare... Uh, what is the, what's the scripture? Don't you dare touch God's anointed. That's spiritual abuse. They undermine scripture. They promote salvation by works. And number five, they undermine the assurance of eternal life by God's grace. What does that mean? They, they simply make you work hard for their organizations to earn the right of salvation. So I began this story, or this lesson, telling you a story, a testimony of a lady caught up into a cult. So let me finish that testimony. She goes on, she said, and, and these are lessons that she wanted. She published this because she wanted people to hear. I quote, she goes on, she said, I learned that to, that to determine the context and meaning of a verse or passage in God's word, we must consider what style is being used and who it actually speaking and to whom it's being spoken and for what purpose. I was reminded that Satan can use signs and wonders to counterfeit the work of God. And I realized that this group and its leader were trying to take the place of Jesus, even if they were sincere and unaware of their spiritual error. I learned that I had taken my eyes off of Jesus and focused again on my own attempts to be righteous. And thus I had fallen for this group's lie that I could get rid of all my sin on my own. I was reminded that when God looked at me in Christ, he saw the righteousness of Jesus alone and not my filthy rags. I learned that as I focused on Jesus and surrendered to the Spirit's work in my life, he was slowly transforming me into a better reflection of Jesus. God used my experience with this group to humble me and teach me that anyone can become deceived if, we, if in a vulnerable state, and he has used me to warn others as well as to encourage those who have been deceived. God has faithfully renewed and strengthened my faith in Jesus alone by giving me a deeper understanding of his loving grace, and I am very grateful, end quote. Listen, when it comes to hoaxes, scams, again, 
uh, one expert said that, unfortunately, there are some people who simply will not believe that a message is a hoax, regardless of how compelling the evidence is that you present. There are people that will be scammed spiritually, regardless of the evidence to the contrary. So what does John say in our teaching tonight? Keep, be on guard, test the spirits, don't listen, don't accept. You know, if you, uh, I was telling our Spanish pastor yesterday, uh, SNF, uh, I said, you know, here, here's the way I believe that we ought to listen because you may, you may enjoy listening or watching Christian television, things like that. I, I'm certainly not knocking any of the, the medium of, Christ, of Christian TV and things. But I would say use a discerning heart when you listen to it. Uh, there are some people you need to listen to like eat chicken. You know, you consume the meat and throw the bones out. And, and, and I, you know, I think we have to be very careful. Remember, these four things, if they, if they use a little bit of, of skepticism... The Bible says we have the spirit within us. He guides us into the truth. So if there's a red flag there, listen to it. If they get it wrong about Jesus, turn them off. If they get it wrong about the Bible, turn them off. If they get it wrong about salvation, turn it off because they're not worth listening to. Don't you stand with me as we dismiss tonight. You know, it's crazy where we live in our world today and how much how much is out there? Again, you can go to a bookstore right now, and there are all kinds of books that talk about a new revelation, uh, a new gospel, a new this, a new that. You know what? I just pass them on by. Pass them on by. Paul said, since, excuse me, John said, from the beginning, this is that which I have witnessed from the beginning. What you and I have is reliable dependable, trustworthy. It'll take, you know what, it was enough to save me out of darkness and it's enough to take me to heaven. And so I'll build on this right here. I want you to bow with me as we close in prayer tonight and, and, and just two things if you're here. So you know what, Pastor, I want God to help me to develop discernment. In this crazy world that we live in, you know, there are always people talking spiritual things and I, I don't want to be duped. I, I want to be a I want to be wise. I want to, I want to hear that voice, and I want to discern what is right, what is not. See, that's the Spirit's job. It's not my job. It's the Spirit's job to do that. And, then, and, and if you're here, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to, if that's you, just slip your hand right, right back down. If you're online, if you'll, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you as well. And the last thing is maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, I've, it's been a tough week, and I just I need God to touch me tonight, do something for me. If that's you, again, slip your hand right, right back down as we pray. Father, tonight I love you so much and I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we are not unaware of the devices or the schemes of the enemy. Lord, he is as an angel of light. He appears that way, but he's a deceiver and he's the accuser. Father, I pray that we recognize his deceptiveness. I pray, Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. So, Lord, help us to tune out those other voices and learn how to distinguish your voice you said, my sheep hear my voice and will not follow another. So, Lord, let us learn that voice. Let us hear and heed that voice. Father, I pray for those that uh, tonight are asking for discernment. Lord, I pray that you will teach us, Lord, to listen to that voice within us. Uh, it's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear it and listen to it and respond to it and be obedient to it. And Father, I pray for those that just need some uh, encouragement or maybe a touch tonight. Lord, maybe there's some things that need to be worked out the rest of this week. 
Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you do that. Go ahead of us and make the crooked way straight. Father, I pray you'll give us a great night, a restful night. Should you, Terry, bring us on Sunday, bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord, that need an encounter with you and even now ordain the miracles that you're going to do on Sunday. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.